Tonight on Hops and Box Office Flops, Jim West, Desperado, Rough Rider, No, You Don't Want Nada, None of This, Gunning This, Brother Running This, Buffalo Soldier, Look, It's Like I Told You. Any listener that's in distress, we apologize. We're very sorry because it's our fault for doing this stupid movie. Wild 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 West. Hops and Box Office Flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the 74th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops presented by RevengeTheFans.com and tonight in the final entry of our 90s series we head back to the less than savory era of post-Civil War America. Yes indeed we are journeying to the wild wild west. Along with me on this cross-continental journey aboard the rails are Captain Cash. Yeehaw! A little more vigor there. I really, that's the best I'm going to do for this. (laughs) I think, yeah, that was it. Okay. Fair. 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 And uh, Artemis Gordon's manservant, Chumpzilla. I think you mean sexy manservant. Thank you very much. True. True. Uh, Points of order. You can find the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hops and B.O. Flops. You can find myself at WriterTLK as well as aboard a giant iron tarantula. Captain Cash, where can they find you? You can find me at C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H. And Chumpzilla, when you are not getting hit on in drag at a brothel, where can they find you? Well, well that is technically I, most of the time. I was going to say, why don't you just ask him where he is on Sunday? <laughs> yeah, on Sunday afternoons, you can hit me up on Twitter at Chumpzilla8. Okay, so Wild Wild West is not available for free anywhere. You can rent it across platforms for two ninety nine you're probably not going to want to. Unless... Wait a minute. Hold up there, Mr. Wizard. You can catch this movie on TBS next Saturday, which would be September the 12th, because we're recording this earlier than it will be released. So on 9-12, you can catch this at 12.45 Eastern Time on TBS. Don't miss out. Oh, so set your TiVos for that, listeners. It's exciting. Not even on hour. They gave it the 45. Well, hopefully it's the director's cut. And I think <laughs> technically that means it might be streaming somehow by then. But yeah, so keep your eye out, folks. It might pop up. Essentially, yeah, if you have TBS, it should be available to watch on demand. In which case, I'll be watching it again. Tonight, to help this viewing go down a little smoother, we are drinking Sun and Steel, which is a 4.8% double fermented Pilsner infused with authentic Japanese sake yeast from the award-winning Okunomatsu Sake Brewery in Japan. It comes from Robinson Brewery. It is their sixth beer and is a collaboration between them and Bruce Dickinson, who is the lead singer of Megadeth. And it does, in fact, feature Eddie as a samurai on the front of the can, which is kind of badass. It does, yep. also, I'd like to point out that Captain Cash is our resident Japanese yeast expert. That is true, uh, though, to be honest with you, it all kind of tastes like sake to me. Let's drink these. Uh, yeah, so the can does bear a 
image of a samurai. I thought the name was apropos because if there's anything in abundance in the Wild West, it was sunshine and guns, which are made of steel. And so bad green screens. So let's cheers. crack into this. And cheers. That that really was the thing that for me that I was surprised about finding uh, in the Wild Wild West. Just an abundance of green screen. Bad green screens. A lot of like green really screens. Really bad. For a hundred and something odd dollar million dollar movie yeah it was like a weatherman okay in front of the weather screen we're gonna get There's there. the front coming in over here got a storm of racism as portrayed by kenneth brana yeah the south will rise again yeah yeah we're gonna we're gonna talk about that too uh, as for the beer uh if we're rating it on our beer scale which is how many bad movies would you sit through whilst drinking it I would say two. I love the hints of sake in it because I, I am a fan of that. Uh, it's not too heavy, but it does get a little dry the more you drink it. So I'd say two movies. It is good. Yeah, I mean, I like my beers a little higher gravity, as the listeners know, but for something kind of refreshing, something I can sit through, yeah, I'd call it two. Two beers is good. I'll third that. I agree with both the Thunderous Wizard and Captain Cash. Okay, so Wild Wild West was directed by frequent Will Smith collaborator Barry Sonnenfeld. Uh, he's best known for most of their joint ventures, those being Men in Black 1 through 3. He also directed both Adam's Family movies, which are awesome. Wait, the good Adam's Family movies? Well, nobody Wait, there were. Yeah, there's a cartoon one that sucks. Oh, okay. Uh, well, no, they, just, they had the remake that just came out. Yeah, it's a cartoon. It's which a, sucks. It's a CGI. It's not good, yeah. It stars your favorite actor, though, Oscar Isaac. So I'm Listen. surprised you're not a super God into it. God damn it! <laughs> Fuck you, Oscar Isaac! Ah. Uh, what should... Su- Dune, that's going to be good. That's got deserts in it. Yeah, lots of sand there and worms, so, which are sort of he's like no sting. Spiders. He's no Sting and he's no Kyle MacLachlan. Also true. Uh, it should surprise nobody that this movie, because we're off topic now, talking about a movie that's not out... Uh, was produced by John Peters because they literally mention Giant Spider in the first 45 seconds of the movie. If you're unfamiliar with this tall tale, I suggest you just Google it and Kevin Smith tells a fantastic story about it in one of his uh, An Evening with Kevin Smith's. I think it was the first Evening with Kevin Smith, not even Evening Harder. Yeah. Yeah. Listeners, if you get one takeaway from this pod, it is to listen to Kevin Smith talk about his experience working with freaking Barbara Streisand's hairdresser. It John is Peters. John Peters. It is insane. Do it. It will better your life. Yeah, I, I think we also mentioned on the Superman Returns pod, but if you ever watch the late great John yes. Schnepp's The Death of Superman Lives What Happened, the story is also recounted in there in fabulous detail. Wild Wild West stars Will's, Will Buffalo Soldier Smith as Jim West, Kevin, the big chill Klein, as Artemis Gordon, and Ulysses S. Grant. Uh, Kenneth, I'm obviously a fan of prop mustaches Branagh as Arliss Loveless. <laughs> oh, man. Like, of the facial prosthetics we have seen and bad wigs that are abundance in this, oh, no one yeah. beats Kenneth Branagh's prosthetic wig. And I'm sorry. Mustache. I thought he was... Uh... 
what's his name? Kevin McBride? What? Kenny Powers. Danny McBride. Oh, well, this Kenny. is way before he was popular. Right. But I'm like, that would have been his role. If this movie had come out 10 years later, that would have been. That's fair. Kenny Powers. I, I can see that. Uh, you have Ted. Was she a great big fat person? Levine as General Bloodbath McGrath. I hurt my arm. Could you help me get this couch in my van? That was a terrible impersonation. And Selma Desperata Hayek as Rita. That's the main core cast. This is a large, set-piece heavy uh, ensemble movie. So there's lots of extras and lots of faces you may recognize, such as M. Emmett Walsh, who drives their train. Uh, he's also Jill's dad in Home Improvement. And Bai Ling. And Bai Ling. Yeah. What the fuck? She's this Mrs. Is 90s. She's Mrs. East. And she literally yes. says the line, East meets West, twice. It's so bad. It's so bad. So, <laughs> bad. so released in June of 1999, Wild Wild West was one of the summer's monumental disappointments. It was also the first real black eye for Will Smith, who was really crushing it as a leading man. Because obviously prior to it, he'd starred in Bad Boys, Independence Day, Men in Black, Enemy of the State. Men in Black, his first collaboration with Barry Sonnenfeld, grossed over $600 million worldwide. This was supposed to be a big hit. Yeah, so uh, this might come up later, but I'm going to bust it right now. So here is where we are in movie history, folks. It's 1999. This movie comes out. They reach out to Will Smith. They reach out to Tom Cruise. Will Smith turns down The Matrix to make this movie. Will Smith could have been Neo, but he's like, nah, I liked that show as a kid. I want to do the Wild Wild West movie. And before that, it was Tom Cruise, and Tom Cruise is like, you know what? I'm looking at this Wild Wild West movie, but I'm going to go for the other 60s TV show movie thing. I'm going to do Mission Impossible instead. And like that is like a huge moment in Hollywood history because all three of these went like completely different directions. Like Tom Cruise is going to be like, you know, Mission Impossible 11 or whatever. And yeah. they're talking about making the Matrix 4. And Will Smith is, uh, uh, you know, I don't know, managing his Jaden's Twitter account at this point. Uh, wow. And 1999 wow. was pretty crazy. Like a huge year for movies. It's widely considered one of the biggest movie years ever. I don't know how you gauge that, but there's a lot of great movies that came out in 1999. Uh, it is one of the biggest what-ifs in movie history. I didn't include it because it is pretty well-known. Uh, I have other stuff in store for you guys. This movie cost $170 million to produce. Rumored to be over $300 million when you take it marketing. It only grossed $221, $222.1 million. It sits at 17% on Rotten Tomatoes with 131 reviews. Oof. And its user score is 28%, which may be the worst I think we've seen on the show. It earned that it. That's super earned low. That's it super low. And to your point on that marketing budget, like anybody that lived in the 90s, the late 90s, knows that they marketed the shit out of this movie. There were commercials everywhere. Yeah, there were like, like, this was fast a, food tie-ins. There was soda tie-ins. In the, in the song, and they're like, hey, check this out. It probably won't suck. Well, the song, Spoiler. which will be it part of the sucks. quiz, but the song reached number one on the Billboard Hot 100. Uh, that said, yeah, yeah. at the 20th Golden Raspberry Awards, the film was nominated for eight Razzies, including Worst Picture and Worst Original Song. So, 
Oh, it's it's hard. It's not a bad song. It, it, it yes, reached number yes, one. It it's, it's pretty horrible. catchy. It's horrible. What, what's the it's one? Horrible what's the song. song? Samples from it. Stevie Wonder, right? Uh, I think so. Yes. Uh, yeah, I can't remember the name of it, but it's not superstition, is it? It might be superstition. No, it's not superstitious. No. Something else. So in any event, how would you describe this movie in one sentence? We'll start with you, Chumpzilla. Okay. Uh, in one sentence, I would describe this movie as Will Smith and Kevin Klein star in the special effects heavy bonanza Wild Wild West, which is also based on the classic 60s TV show of the same name and is somehow also the worst reboot of Blazing Saddles imaginable. You say, like, Will Smith was a huge fan of the show. One of the things I found while I was researching this movie that was almost as, was even more, that was even more off-putting than a lot of the humor, racial humor in this, was Robert Conrad, the star of Wild Wild West, was so upset they made Jim West black, he refused to see the movie and threw a big shit fit about it. Yikes. Yes, and he also appeared in person at the Razzies to accept the awards because he hated the movie that much. Yep. Not what? not petty or anything, Robert. <laughs> no, he was he was totally not upset about this. No. Okay, Captain Cash, one sentence. I'm going to call this What if Men in Black but in Reconstruction Era South and just bad, just real bad. Okay, like, I'm going to real real bad. I'm going to build on that cuz mine were here come the men in spurs. Wild <laughs> West Defenders. Listen, I I can't, like, I'm sure we're going to get into it when we talk about the, the plot of the film, but the way this thing opens is so completely men in black to the point where when we meet Ulysses S. Grant, I could have swore to God it was Rip Torn. <laughs> like, the, like, the direction I think Kevin Klein got to play Ulysses S. Grant was... Hey, do that thing Rip Torn did in Men in Black. That's really all we need here. I think he should have played him as D'Onofrio and been like, you guys have any sugar water? Yeah, I think it's fair to say, before we get really deep into it, this movie was super derivative. Like, hey, we got Will Smith. We got a formula. We're just going to make it work. Oh, we're just gonna, yeah. Whatever this is, we're going gonna, gonna to do that Men in Black, Will Smith thing, and it's just going to work. But the problem is, it's a fucking period piece. Except it's a fucking it's, period. It's piece. really not. It's a steampunk futuristic western. No, no. There's slavery and there's well, reparations. There's certainly that. And there's steam, steam. To, but it's, it's alternate a fucking history. period piece. It's, it's alternative yeah, alternate, history. None of this agreed, stuff would, would possibly exist. Agreed. It's alternative history, but it's not. Uh, just it falls apart. All right, moving on. Okay. The actual description. The two best special agents in the Wild West must save President Grant from the clutches of a diabolical, wheelchair-bound, steampunk-savvy Confederate scientist bent on revenge for losing the Civil War. I think that sums it up nicely, but it's also skipping a lot of the just horrible racism in this movie. Well, I mean, but, but it's like, not wrong, though. It is not wrong. That is it's not wrong, and pretty it makes much it right. sound good. Like, that sounds like a movie I'd maybe want to see. That sounds maybe neat. Uh, Fuck no. I've seen the movie, and it's not. We'll, we'll talk about it later, but I do think this movie was like a few, like a handful of decisions away from actually being salvageable, because I enjoy a lot of it, and then there's just it just sort of falls apart, but we're going to talk about that. Uh, so let's get into the plot. I will lead, I'll have some questions. We're going to go through it pretty quick, and then we'll get on to 
what our actual thoughts of the film were. So the film opens with a scientist fleeing for his life as a saw propels after him. Sort of like the buzz saw that Arnold throws into the uh, mercenary's head in Commando, but bigger. And it has a yeah, spider on it. an odd job. Yeah. He, of course, dies, but not after uttering the words, as we mentioned, giant spider. <laughs> uh, and I mean, to be fair, on the buzzsaw, there is also a yeah. giant spider. So you don't actually know about the other giant spider. The, the one bit of character detail we just never got. What was Arliss Loveless's obsession with spiders? Whoa, whoa, stop, stop. Hold up. The spider is on the fucking movie poster. Moving on. Of course it is. It's like the big thing. What, what, so my point is like, there's no fucking mystery. Giant oh, spider, it's on the fucking poster. There was some mystery as to how often you would see spiders. You see more spiders in this movie than like the first half of Arachnophobia. <laughs> Don't besmirch the good name of John Goodman. No, that movie that movie's incredible. So... Th- the movie then transitions, as many 90s movies do, to establishing that our hero is irresistible to women and incredibly charming. That aside, Agent Jim West, Will Smith, is tracking an old Confederate general with a gramophone for an ear. Bloodbath McGrath, the butcher of new liberty. He's amassing arms so the South can rise again. They don't. Things happen. Kevin Klein, or Artemis Gordon, rather, is in drag because he is also investigating McGrath, and that's, I guess, the best way to get into the party. It's quickly established, though, that McGrath not only wants to have sex with Kevin Klein, uh, but he's not the brains behind the Southern Revival's operation. Also, can we pause for a brief moment and talk about how plot-crucial drag appears to be to this film? I have a story about that, so we will get there. I I believe the short answer to that is very... It's, I mean, it, it literally accounts for three-fourths of their plans. So how do we, so, how do we so trick the racists? So on the scale of plans, right? So most basic plan is grab them. Is the one immediately preceding that? What if we did it in drag? I, I believe that is the correct hierarchy of plans. It goes grab them and then drag. It's pretty close. It's not exactly, I mean, for one, as Will Smith points out in the movie, Kevin Klein is not an attractive woman. <laughs> but as Trish the Dish points out, men are easily amused. And uh, Bloodbath McGrath is because he tries to proposition Kevin Klein. Uh, the real brains behind the operation is Arliss Loveless, who blows up the brothel with the two government agents seemingly in it. They're not, they survive. Otherwise, there wouldn't be a movie. Which, for some on this pod, they may have found that more desirable. I was going to say, if the film ended there, it would have saved me like 90 minutes. I'd have felt better about life. So right off the bat, here's the big question. Because, obviously, Men in Black works because of the chemistry between Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith. Do either of our male protagonists work? Do they work together? Thoughts? So here's my thought. I know Will Smith is very charming. I know Kevin Kline is very charming. I've seen Men in Black. I've seen Bad Boys. I've seen French Kiss. I've seen uh, What's the Midsummer Night's Dream. Kevin Klein, Will Smith, very charming leads. Together, they, they have no chemistry. And I think part of that is probably the way the characters are set up. Like, Jim West is billed as this, you know, tough by the book, you know, going to do it with guns and a horse cowboy. But you've got Will Smith doing 90s Will Smith in that role. 
So he, you basically taken the Tommy Lee Jones role from Men in Black, given it to Will Smith, and then done nothing to change how Will Smith acts. And then Kevin Klein is given this gadgeteer genius thing. So you expect he'd be quirky and funny, but he's just playing a much straighter role. So it doesn't really work. There's not like a lot of, for them to play off of, I don't think. Now, I don't agree. I actually like them together. But to your point, really, the famous quote from Roger Ebert is, imagine Bill Clinton and Kenneth Starr as partners in a celebrity golf tournament. That's what he described the chemistry of the leads in this movie as. Wow. <laughs> Oof, that, that's brutal. That's yes. brutal. Uh, what I will say is that, no, the two characters do not work together. They have zero chemistry together, as Captain Cash has already pointed out. In my opinion, they appear to be acting in different movies. Like, Kevin Klein is in one movie, and Will Smith is in another movie. Like, Will Smith's basically just doing the Fresh Prince the whole time. Whereas Kevin Klein's trying to do like a proper gentleman in the post antebellum South. Like they don't appear to be together. They're just, they're interacting. Yes. But they're not on the same page. I'd agree. There's it's definitely a weird. Yeah. There's a tone difference between what's happening there where Will Smith throughout this thing is deliberately anachronistic, which is, I mean, it's fine. Um, sure. Yeah. And Kevin Klein, while he's using gadgets that don't exist and pseudoscience that doesn't exist either, is still trying to, like, play it as though, no, 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 this is post-Civil War America, and this is what a character like that would sound like. And it's like, Kevin, buddy, it ain't that kind of movie. Yeah, I mean, I see what you guys are saying. Obviously, I enjoyed it more. I'm clearly overruled because the movie got panned and almost everybody universally talks about the lack of chemistry. I think the one thing that's very noticeable is this movie doesn't know what it wants to be because it's racial tenor and then uh, the sort of way it is. It's supposed to be a lot more fun and frivolous than it, than the material it's presenting. Like There's stories about children and women being murdered. Everybody's a terrible racist they they almost say the n-word in the first like the very first scene with will smith and it's just like you know this isn't funny really like i know you're playing this for laughs but it's not funny so we'll get to this later but they touch on some heavy shit in this movie and it does not totally fit with any of it i get that they were trying to be sensitive to like hey we we've turned jim west into a black guy so now we have to address racism in america which, to their and, credit, I think is good. Well, yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not, it's a noble effort, but it's yeah. super fucking complicated, and they just fucking bungle it. Yeah. Anyway, Mr. Wizard, moving on. Yes, they wash Please. right over it, and they use humor as a way to basically be like, well, see, it wasn't okay, we'll just make fun of it. Uh, I, I, I guess what I'll say right now, I'll, I'll stop, because I'll be obnoxious. But this is the difference between a bad movie about race and a good movie about race. Like this movie fails that like test. Whereas you get a movie like Blazing Saddles, and this will come up later, that movie pokes fun at race relations as well, but it like somehow lands. This movie does not land. Back to the plot. Gordon and West return to the Capitol where President Ulysses S. Grant, again, also Kevin Klein, informs them that a madman has threatened to take over the United States. 
How does he do so? Sending them a cake with, you guessed it, spiders in the box. Lots and lots of spiders. Now, not to belabor the point, but did no one... Well, and you do know that spiders are the most dangerous killers in the animal world, right? Yes. Okay. At, at what point in the production of this movie, when they're having these meetings, they're doing table reads, did anybody ever think to look at John Peters and go, sorry, dude, this is really fucking stupid? It's just... Do we have to do this many spiders? Did you did you make a bet? Yeah. The short answer is no. Yeah. Here's here's the long answer, Mr. Wizard. The combination of the foreshadowing with the tarantulas and the black and white spider confederate flag. And Come again, what was the symbolism of it? There really was none. So it was just like, oh, I I really dig spiders. So oh, what symbolism is John Peter's warped mind. Here's what frustrates me about the spider thing. And it, like, it, it, minor spoiler for the end where Loveless, who the entire time uh, is wheelchair bound because he's been basically cut off at the midriff as a result of a war wound. His chair transforms and has these spider-like legs. But only four of them. Like, was the production not there for like an extra two set of legs to make it in a full eight spider thing. I also uh, noticed that, and I thought it was weird. Anyways. Like, it, two more sets of legs is what I needed. Like, oh, look, he's like a spider, too. I mean, I mean look, you... every, every good supervillain needs a motif, but I don't like for as much as he committed to it, he really kind of failed at the very end there. I know, and like the most important part, because this is his super spider chair. Right. And it only has four four legs plus his two, which... Technically makes him an insect, not an arachnid. Big flub, Arliss. So anyways, they begrudgingly agree to team up and track the madman, who they assume is Bloodbath McGrath, and he's going to be in New Orleans for this super fun racist masquerade. <laughs> the 90s were a lawless goddamn time. Uh, so from there, that's when we get the true reveal that the bad guy is loveless because he does pop out of an exploding Abraham Lincoln head, his plan is to overthrow the U.S. government. Full details to come. Then there are a series of highly insensitive racial and handicap-themed jokes, more Gordon yeah. cosplay, a lynching scene played for laughs, Lovelace's murder of McGrath and his men with a tank. Yes, he is the true butcher of New Liberty. Rita shows up for no reason because she does nothing for the movie. She's just there She's to make a track. Girl. Now, we powered through a lot of that, but I do want to ask, in this, like, just onslaught, of insensitive stuff, including the lynching scene, the jokes, and the explosion of Abraham Lincoln's head. What, what did you find to be the most insensitive? You know, honestly, probably the most insensitive was the lynching scene, but the scene that I thought most was, I feel like, aged poorly is the racial joke slash handicap joke off between Will Smith and, uh, and Kenneth Branagh. Where, like, they do things like, well, I'd stand up because he doesn't have any legs. And Lovelace's version is just that, but a bunch of racial epithets. And it's kind of like, well, Jim West is the hero and he's making fun of a guy because he can't walk. I mean, yeah, he's a shitty Confederate scientist, so fine, but I don't know. Captain Cash, I got to agree, it's got to be the lynching scene. The optics of that are just terrible. They weren't good in 1999. I really don't know what they were thinking. And it's even worse because it's his partner who throws the rope. Yes, I know it's a dummy rope and he's going to be saved. 
when he's like, hang him. It's not good. There's nothing about that's good. Chumzilla. There's a lot of tonal whiplash in this movie. Yes. It's super weird. And I would argue that before that scene, you get that uh, shot of Loveless exploding out of the paper mache Abraham Lincoln had. And uh, yeah, the lynching is pretty bad and might be worse, but I would say it's probably equally bad. That's just a weird visual. It's like, oh, look, the South has blown up Abe Lincoln's head. That's not, that's not okay. Still pretty gross. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'll go on the record and say that's not okay. That's, that's a little weird. I'd like to give an honorable mention to uh, Will Smith's use of the word boobies repeatedly throughout the scene. It's just, it sounds so awkward. Yes. 110% yes. There are some funny moments sprinkled in between all of this, like, ludicrous shit. Uh, I do like when the guy, he's talking about his his native land, and the crowd yells, Georgia? And he's like, Africa. And then he goes on to tell his story. But... Yeah, it's mostly just... That's a good joke. That's a good joke. That did not make me sad inside. I tell you what does make me sad inside is is the way Will Smith says boobies. It it doesn't feel good. He says boobies in a a weird way. Like, his inflection makes me uncomfortable. But no, the George joke, that's like the one joke that works. Will Smith says boobies like he's only ever had boobs described to him and he doesn't actually know what they are so he's not sure where to inflect it okay along with the addition of rita some more hijinks upon the railroad and gordon west find that they in fact are not tracking loveless loveless is tracking them so they are captured and then they find themselves shackled with the same collars we saw at the very beginning of the movie here is around the point where the movie just totally falls apart for me uh and i'm going to quickly go through it because the last 30 minutes are terrible you couldn't tell me any different it goes from being a mildly entertaining like okay movie with some fun parts to being a dumpster fire okay so i have thoughts about the collars as well um first off i hate them this scene drags on for me it goes on for like eight minutes eight minutes and i'm not sure what is dumber the fact that the flying circular saw blades have spiders on them or the fact that they defy the laws of physics. Also, magnets. How the fuck do they work? I do hate that the explanation for why the razor-bladed spinning saw things are going to their necks is because it's magnetic. I'm just like, yeah. any other excuse. That That's dumb. They don't appear to be like magnetically magnetically driven at any point but whatever uh and also i think at this point i'm convinced that sonnenfeld had used the insane clown posse as his science advisory council on the movie it's brutal folks it's Uh, brutal i'm sorry mr wizard sorry for the little break there but let's let's move on move i mean if you think about it a little bit arliss loveless's mustache beard thing kind of looks like insane clown posse makeup Could he be the first gigolo? I don't know. He might be the first juggalo. Well, you did say gigolo, Chumpzilla, and he might actually be because right before he uh, attempts to kill them with this contraption, he explains to them how you may not think I can defile Rita 
But if I can invent all this other shit, I can certainly invent a hydraulic mechanical penis. They then zoom over to his weapon, which is like a giant hydraulic mechanical penis that just happens to suit saw blades. That, that I, is a little. That's a tad weird, and I think there's not nearly enough Fago involved. Again, this is this Whatever. feels this goes to the heart of the tonal whiplash that we talk about in this film, where this movie is primarily a comedy, and the villain has just joked about how he can make a rape machine. <laughs> it's like, whoa! Yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah. So obviously they get out of the collars because this is a stupid weapon and it's poorly designed and all they have to do and is it goes duck. on for eight minutes they that just, scene goes on for eight minutes and it has no payoff they just have Zero. to duck because literally they just jump into each other's arms and fall so if they ducked the same thing would have happened anyways and they fall into baked beans it's mud to chumzilla's point it does look as though they have jumped into some bushes <laughs> it, baked beans. yes it is really strange <laughs> so <laughs> Because because that's what the that's what's at the bottom of a crevice. It's big beans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not great. Uh, but, sorry, I'm so sorry. So they track Loveless to his uh, super racist steampunk utopia, and as they get there, the giant mechanical spider climbs over the crest of the canyon. More spiders. Then a bunch of other silly shit happens. Loveless kidnaps Grant, and Gordon dresses Grant. Announces his plan to divvy up the United States into sections, giving back territories to the Spanish, English, French, and Mexicans. Will Smith appears in drag, doing a belly dance, seducing Loveless, who gets super horny, mid-racist rant. Okay, so the movie stops so that this could happen. Like, it is yes. the climax of the film. And, and rather just than having a huge scene, pause, we go with number plan number two in the big book of plans drag and drag speaking of scenes that go on for far too long this goes on for far too long okay i'd like to take a moment to step in here and say this is probably the stupidest thing i've ever seen in a major hollywood movie like this is so bad the, the bad guys ignore the, the their prisoner guys or whatever because they roll a single grenade out and it explodes and it somehow disperses the entire crowd of like you know the gathered yeah, racist dignitaries yeah the the league of evil gentlemen they just run away like Godzilla extras like ah they don't pay any attention to the guys that we're just up on stage being like, you know, held hostage. Ah, oh, don't worry about them. They just let them escape. Well, Everybody just runs away. They're cowards, so it's cool. Which kind of checks out. But I also did the math, and in about 36 seconds, the spider monster thing that's on the movie poster somehow gets from where they're at with President Grant to, like, way up the hill, like, half a mile away in about 30 seconds. And it is everything we've everything we've seen. That, that thing does not move that fast. It's the problem with the end of the movie because everything is sped up to an insane degree because then Gordon invents a flying machine in the span of minutes, doesn't know if it's going to work. They still catch the spider... 
which leads to fisticuffs, no more Mr. Knife Guy. Loveless 2 being a spider, as Captain Cash pointed out, our heroes win. Sequel tease, Grant anoints Gordon and Wes, the inaugural members of the Secret Service. Roll the credits. Guess what? Selma Hayek was only using them because the only way she thought they'd let her on the train is if they both felt they could seduce her. She's actually married. Which I, yeah. I thought was kind what? of a smart twist, and I appreciated that. Oh, that was it clever. It was, it was clever, but it wasn't really satisfying. And you're selling this short, Mr. Wizard, because not so fast. President Grant commandeers the train that our heroes had been taking, and they proceed to ride John Peter's stupid giant spider into the sunset and presumably onto their next mission. Were they really hoping for a sequel? Like, they invented the Secret Service for this movie. Seriously? From what, from what I understand, yes, there's, that's a tease, but short of the movie doing better numbers than Men in Black, there was no sequel ever on the table. So... No, but they were hoping. They were hoping. Okay, so the movie's over. Wild Wild West, what the hell did we just watch? Did you like any of it? And how many beers are required to sit through it? That's easy. At least five. At least five. I I don't know that this rises to a six-beer movie, if for no other reason than nothing here is entertaining enough or weird enough for me to have fun with it, right? Like, we, we don't always kind of math out, hey, is a six-beer movie, does that mean it's bad, or does that mean it's so insane you should drink and have a good time? Here, you're going to need the five just to, like, not want to kill yourself. It certainly requires beverages, Chumpzilla. Yeah, I agree with uh, Captain Cash. It's a stupid movie. It's not unwatchable, but, yeah, it's firmly a five-beer movie. And I'll say this, if it was any longer... It'd be a six-beer movie, but 106 minutes, it's a five-beer movie. Okay. I would say four. Now, I enjoyed this much more than either of you. I, admittedly, Fair. the ending is awful. But I do think Kenneth Branagh is pretty entertaining because you have this Shakespearean serious actor just going for it. And I found this quote, which I thought, thought was hilarious. Uh, he was so devoted to this character so Kenneth Branagh came into the table read not only knowing his parts perfectly, but he came in into the into the table read in the hair and makeup. He had the trident beard that's in the movie, and at the end of the table read, the head of production at Warner Brothers came up to the director, Barry Sonnenfeld, and said, should we get rid of Branagh and hire this guy to play Dr. Loveless? He's so good. And, and Sonnenfeld said, that is Kenneth Branagh. That is spectacular. And I, to your point, stuff that is good about this good, mm, stuff that makes this movie less bad is how completely scenery-chewing Kenneth Branagh is in 100% of this film. Kenneth yes. Branagh takes it up to 11 right at the start when he explodes out of an Abraham Lincoln head and just leaves it there the whole time. He's almost like putting on a one-man show in every scene he's in. Like, they put a camera and they track the way he moves. Like, it, like when he spins in his yes. chair, they go, like, 360. It's like he's just talking directly to the audience, like, I'm going to save this fucking thing if it's the last thing I do. Well, here, here, here's the reality. He's got the most fun dialogue. That's the problem. He gave the villain all the good lines. So, of course, that shit works good. 
Well, the he- the hero the heroes have shit dialogue. I actually enjoy uh, the chemistry between them. Obviously, you guys didn't, and I we've mentioned it. So I I, I like their their back and forth and some of their witticisms, but. Uh, no, Will Smith is clearly the weak link here, which is weird because this is 1999 Will Smith. But yeah, he had no business being in this movie. See, no, I don't know. But like, I don't he, so. he, 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 he fucked it up. I'm not, I'm not saying no. he couldn't have done a better job. I'm just saying like the attitude he brought into it, it fucking didn't work. He didn't work with Kevin Klein. He didn't work with fucking, you know, Loveless. That they need somebody else to make this work. Well, I'm saying, if you get someone other than Will Smith, who does the song, though, with the name of the movie in the song? Good point. R. Kelly. Yeah, let's not get to that. Huh? Is that a better choice than the name of the movie? Yeah, uh, also, not an actor. In 1999, so... it doesn't matter. <laughs> y- yes, it does. In, in, in 2020, it's, it's, it's a black yeah. guy. In 1999, that does you not know, matter. You know why it matters? Because then this movie wouldn't be available to watch anywhere, like the Mario Brothers movie, although that has nothing unsavory involved with it. The studio just wants to destroy it. <laughs> just wants everyone to forget it happened. That's... We remember. So I think it's going to be pretty obvious, like some of the things you just mentioned, Will Smith for Chum Hill, but in your estimation, what went wrong? And I like portions of it, but I have done some digging, and I think I know why this movie failed spectacularly. We can start with you, Captain Cash. So we've mentioned the chemistry, and I think that's a big part of it, but as much as everything else, it's the thing that I think frequently goes wrong when we all agree that, hey, this movie didn't work, which is tonally it's all over the place so you get the sense that no one really understood what they wanted this to be because you like we said we get historical atrocity mixed in with like dick jokes and drag jokes and it's one of those things where like it works in men in black when they talk about oh it's going to destroy the world so there's stakes but it's fucking aliens so it's pretend it's a different thing when it's like you know, this person murdered an entire village of, of black people. Uh, anyway, here's some jokes. It's like, what the fuck, man? Including the protagonist's parents. Yeah. So does that make Jim West Batman? I mean, close. But no, uh, so, you know, here here is my problem with this. Um, I like this movie in parts because I agree with you. Thunder's Wizard. Some parts of it are fun and it's very entertaining in small doses. But uh, ultimately, I think the problem here is it's poorly casted. Will Smith had no business behind this movie. And it's about 15 minutes too long and they kept trying to recycle gags as callbacks but frankly, none of them worked. It's like they tried to like recycle stuff in the script, and it's like, eh, this movie's not that good. You can't use that joke twice. So I think I think it was it was just a little too cute, and Will Smith was really not meant for this kind of comedy. See, I think you're you're completely wrong. Will Smith is a genuine movie star. He was at the height of his powers. He could he should have been yes. able to sell this movie. This movie failed. For one reason and one reason alone. Well, I shouldn't say that. This movie failed for a couple of reasons. The main reason being John Peters. And here's a good quote from Barry Sonnenfeld in a Forbes article that I'll link to in the social. 
If I had to do it all over again, I think what I would do differently was have the spider be smaller in scale, Sonnenfeld admitted. A lot of the movie I really like, but I think the spider is so big that as soon as it appears, I think it takes the audience out of the movie, especially since a lot of our viewers were not of the generations who'd watched the original show. So, the spider... Hold up, is there a giant spider in the original show? No, that he's just saying, like, people of the original show were probably expecting something a little more grounded. Ah, fair. And then you come, and this sort of goes off the rails. Now, this is the second part of the quote, where I think it also went off the rails a little bit, and I had a large disagreement with, and lost with producer John Peters, was John always wanted a scene with Will Smith in drag. I felt it was just going to be goofy and silly and not believable, and was going to take you out of the movie, and eventually... I lost, and for me, I cringe when I watch that scene. Up until then, I think Kenneth Branagh's performance in that scene, talking about how the U.S. is going to be divided up between England and Spain and France and himself, and there's this really great 360 dolly, which I mentioned. Uh, It's all fantastic and wonderful, and the set is fantastic. And then Will shows up in drag, and for me, the movie's over. I never recover from that. I 100% agree with that statement. It literally kills whatever momentum the movie had it grinds it to a halt and you're stuck in like this purgatory watching this ridiculous shit happen that comes out of nowhere he literally appears in the middle of the of the area they are it would have been impossible for him to walk all the way up there dressed like that it's so dumb i literally said that's like one of the dumbest things i've ever seen on on screen like the worst scene i've ever seen but to further the point though this movie has other problems. That that scene sucks. But that's not what tanks this movie. This movie doesn't work on several levels. So, like, I get it. There's the seed of a good idea with the drag, having Will Smith do drag. Because, you know, at the beginning of the film, he runs into Kevin Klein, who's doing drag. He obviously dismisses it. And there is some sort of, like, character arc in, you know what, maybe I do need to be a little bit more like Kevin Klein's character, so I've got to put on drag to get to the place. But the problem is, this happens at the climax of the film. If this was a quick scene before that, where he's got to like jump in so he can infiltrate the place, okay. Hold, hold up, it's not. It's not at the climax. It's, the, it's like at the precipice to the climax. But the point is, so what you're saying is effectively that Will Smith's character's big arc is that he learns drag. I don't think that's. It doesn't help sell the movie. Like it's a really weird angle to take. It, Unless there's if you learn some weird... that he needs to be more like the person who becomes his partner, and right? Kevin Klein needs to be a little bit more like Will Smith. Th- those would be arcs that were there. Some, but there's some awesome '90s sensibilities worked in there, and it, it's just, yeah. No, I, I think you're right, though. Ultimately, that was probably the right thing to do, but this movie was not built to handle it. The big thing you're missing, Chumzilla, is that Ulysses S. Grant says to him in the opening scene, before they go off and become partners, you always you shoot first, you shoot second, you shoot third, you ask questions later. Like he has to learn to be a more well-rounded lawman, and you can't just shoot everyone. And that's sort of the point of it. Now, doing the drag thing kind of makes it silly and ridiculous. There was just better ways to go about it. Because that scene, well, I don't really care about the drag. It's just that the scene is way too friggin' long and it's not believable. Well, no, uh, yeah, that's the problem. It's it's not that it's drag. It's that it's drag right before the giant spider fight, and you're waiting for the giant spider fight, and instead we've got this like 
we're going to pause the movie for this silly thing and yep so next question this is technically an action movie was there a scene that you found to be particularly entertaining in that regard some of it's pretty ho-hum the action's not great it's sort of like men in black in that regard he's not the best action-oriented director i would say the train chase when loveless basically descends he's got his his portion of the train is up on these hydraulics and it comes down and then he's chasing them i thought that was okay i I loved everything in artemis gordon's train i thought that was the best visual and practical effects of the movie was the things that train could do yeah Uh, what do you guys think no, I, I'm so I really there's nothing about this that stands out from an action perspective that you haven't seen done better anywhere else. And I think that's the problem. I mean, I've never seen a giant steampunk spider before. So I guess that was kind of cool, except it looks kind of crappy. So the only stuff that really worked was the stuff inside Artemis's train. Practical, practical effects were the way to go for this. This movie did need cool. CGI as much CGI as it ended up having. They could have made no. a western, a buddy, a mismatch buddy cop western, and it would have been a lot better served. Uh, I, I enjoyed when the uh, rotary tank killed all the Confederate soldiers. I thought that was a pretty good visual moment. It was satisfying, and it was an effects achievement. That was pretty good. Well, they also do the overhead shot, which was one of the cooler shots in the movie. Yeah, exactly. I, I thought that was pretty good. I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. They don't really use, like, I felt like they kind of like chintzed on the rest of the stuff. That felt like a good shot, and it was you know, at the 360 angle and all that, and you don't really get that the rest of the movie. That scene, Chumzilla, is also probably the most illustrative of what kind of person Loveless actually is. He's not so much about the South rising again. He's about himself rising again. Uh, he, he's a cold-blooded killer. Now, most 90s element of the film, obviously the setting does not apply, we discussed some of these options. Uh, obviously, the tie-in song from Will Smith. Oh, but, that's it. That's it. Right there. You yeah. Got yeah. Song. Hard number it. one. Yeah. yeah. So, 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 hold on, listeners. The Thunderous Wizard gave us three options for this. And I'm going to rank that one at a clear number one. You agree there? I, uh, I there see is it. nothing. Captain Cash agrees. It has to be that, yeah. Because the other stuff, I mean, is 90s, but it's in every 90s movie. It is, but that is the hard number one. Yeah. There is nothing more 90s than getting Will Smith to sing a song about a movie he's in where the title of the song is the same as the title of the movie. I think... Boom. Done. One of the things about Will Smith declining The Matrix to do this that should tell you he should have known he made the wrong choice was that Sonnenfeld asked him, hey, why don't you do a song again? And his agent's like, oh, Will doesn't really want to be, you know, like the guy that just does the song in the movie. And it's like, yet he signed on to do the movie that is trying to be exactly like the other movie he just made when he could have made something completely unique that was about to change cinema. I don't think people knew that at the time. Yes, but yeah. you, you could read this script and be like, mm, yep, it's the same yeah. movie no, in the Old fair. West. And it even has a song. So it's, it's, they did this, they, you know, they went to the well one too many times. So are we surprised it flopped? In that regard, I would say no, because you could see a better version of this movie that's not in the Old West and isn't heavily reliant on silly gadgetry and steampunk spiders. 
See, I don't know. I like I don't know. So do I think this movie sucked? And do I think it deserved a flop for that reason? Oh yes. But this was released in 1999, about, what, two years after Men in Black came out? This might as well be a sequel. It's got literally the same director, the literal same actor. This had every reason to succeed. They threw shitloads of money at the marketing for this. This should have yeah. made, you know, Will Smith million. treated this like it was a sequel to Men in Black. Like, he, he did not treat this as a period piece. Well, yeah. you... It's really not though. Like it's written with period sensibilities, the racism, right. uh, things of that nature. But it's it's agreed, not a period agreed. piece. Like it's no, supposed no. to be. This is much more a science fiction movie than it is a western movie. Uh, this is it's it's Westworld, except not done well. It's a lot of things not done well. Yeah. But I am surprised it flopped, just like you, Captain Cash, because. Let's be honest here. He was a megastar. He's he was a legit movie star even after this. The movie star is not really a thing anymore. Now it's the property, or the movie. Will Smith was a movie star. A movie like Big Enemy Man. of the State making two hundred and seventy-two million dollars is unheard of because it's like it's like a political espionage thriller. He's a movie star though. He sold tickets. I'm surprised this flopped. Uh, and, you know, yeah, it's derivative, but a lot of uh, Marvel movies are quite derivative, and they still kill. They also are better reviewed. Uh, I think one of the biggest strikes this had against it was it had terrible buzz, which I was going to mention earlier, and I forgot. But people wanted to hate this, and they wanted to hate it pretty bad. And this was like a punching bag of the press for months before it came out. And part of that is because the original test audience that they invited to see it they told them they were seeing the Matrix. And when they went in and they were seeing this, they flipped shit. And the online, like whatever online there was or whoever they could tell, they just ripped this movie a new asshole. And that was it. Like, Bleeding like, cool or who? Like, yeah. Why, and why would you do that? Because I don't it was know. probably an accident, frankly. Yeah, That's it was very early in it, the days of stuff it was a mistake a pr mistake and it cost them greatly because you know similar to last action hero which is a much better movie than this last action hero was killed by bad buzz just murdered by bad buzz every word you heard about it apparently was negative so of course people aren't going to go see it if all they hear is like oh this is the biggest disaster it's way over budget it sucks well hold on the biggest casualty of the Wild Wild West bullshit is not Will Smith's career, because he did fine. This movie buried uh, a much better film that we would all agree is much more beloved, The Iron Giant. Yeah, but that again, that was a niche animated movie. That... Because WB decided it didn't deserve any attention, and they dumped it all in the Wild Wild West. Yeah, but now you look at that. What does it matter? Because that movie is a beloved cult classic, and this movie is something people make fun of on podcasts. <laughs> like the Iron Giants in friggin' Ready Player One. You know it's not? A rusty metal spider. So Listen, a rusty metal spider would have been in place in Ready Player One. So John Peters is does not approve of that comment he doesn't approve of much of anything apparently except for spiders so we're going to take a quick break 
When we come back, we've got the James West Tame in the West Trivia Challenge. A wild, wild whiff. Hello, and welcome back to the 74th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops. This is our Wild, Wild West episode, and we are about to do the James West Tame of the West Trivia Challenge. You can chime in with, we go in straight to, and you can just say, Wild, Wild West. Number one, Wild, Wild West was the 17th highest grossing film domestically of 1999. Which of the following films did not, I repeat, did not outgross it? Was it A, The Green Mile? Was it B, Double Jeopardy? Was it C, American Pie? Or was it D, Notting Hill? Wild Wild West? Captain Cash. Double Jeopardy. Incorrect. Damn. Chumpzilla, your remaining choices are A, The Green Mile, C, American Pie, or D, Notting Hill? This is like the U.S. gross? This is the domestic gross, yep, the U.S. gross. Notting Hill. Incorrect. You were both wrong. It is American Pie. Oh, man, not American Pie. Yep, Notting Hill barely outgrossed it. Uh, The Green Mile, an R-rated movie about a guy being wrongfully executed in prison, beat the shit out of Wild Wild West. Well, I mean, it is a much better film. It is even a if much it is better film. Handed. But, I mean, it's an R-rated prison drama, so. Wow. I'm shocked. Okay. We're at zeros. I am humbled. Number two. As mentioned, Wild Wild West was nominated for the worst picture at the 20th Golden Raspberry Awards. Did it take home the crown, or was it one of these other nominees? So, A, Wild Wild West was indeed the worst picture. B, Big Daddy won Worst Picture. C, The Blair Witch Project. D, The Haunting. Or E, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Oh, Wild Wild West. Captain Cash. It's mm. got to be Phantom Menace, right? Incorrect. Really? I mean... Wild Wild West Haunting. Incorrect. Wild Wild West Fuck. was Worst Picture. It won Worst Director. It actually won five of the eight categories. It was nominated... I don't want a ton. Fuck. Uh, including worst on-screen couple, Kevin Klein, and Will Smith. And Will Smith. Deserve that one, though. Yeah. All right. Number three. Again, we're at zero. Ouch. Goose eggs. Okay. Goose eggs, yeah. Goose eggs. Number three. An 80s, 90s staple, Wild Wild West, was a tie-in track produced by Smith and others to help create buzz for the movie. It also won the Golden Raspberry, by the way, despite hitting number one on the Billboard chart Hot 100. Which of his other songs never broke the top 25? Never broke the top 25. As a side note, Wild Wild West appears to have been the only song in the worst song category. That seems slightly unfair to me. (laughs) Anyways, is it A, Will 2K? Is it B, Getting Jiggy With It? Is it C, Black Suits Coming, Nod Your Head, the theme from Men in Black 2, or was it D, Miami? Wild Wild West. Captain Cash to you. Oh, uh, I'm going to say A. First one, Willennium or whatever. Will 2K is incorrect. Jumpzilla, you can steal. Your remaining answers are B, Getting Jiggy With It, C, Black Suits Coming, D, Miami. And what's the question? 
Which of these songs did not break the Billboard Hot 100 Top 25? Miami getting jiggy. So, reading the answers one more time. Miami did it. Jiggy with it did it. What's the other one? B, getting jiggy with it. C, black suits coming. D, Miami. Black suits coming. Correct. That only made it to number 77. Miami peaked at 17. Getting jiggy with it peaked at number one. Will 2K peaked at number 25. I I, I thought it'd be higher. Not going to lie. One nothing chumpzilla. Well, let's be honest here. Here come the men in black. Much Much more catchy song. Men in black one. Much better movie. Black yeah. suits coming, nod your head. Pretty forced, shitty song. Yeah, Men in Black yeah, Two, so pretty forced, yeah. shitty movie. Yeah. Yeah. For what it's worth, that was going to be my second guess. So, nah. Uh, number four, one nothing here. Number four, Elmer Bernstein okay. scored this movie, as in he provided the orchestral score. Not that you'd notice it, because it's not good. But you know, of these classic films, which did he not score? Because Elmer Bernstein is very prolific. Yeah. All right. Which of these films did he not score? Was it A. Ghostbusters, B. Cape Fear, C. Airplane, D. Animal House, E. The Magnificent Seven, F. The Great Escape, or G. Gettysburg? A lot of choices. I can repeat them. Wild Wild West, Airplane. Incorrect. Fuck. Yeah. Jumpzilla, do you need to rehear the choices? No, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Gettysburg. Gettysburg is correct. Randy Edelman did Gettysburg. The rest of the movies are Elmer Bernstein. That had to be luck. I mean, come on, that was luck, right? I may answers? have googled this. May have, may have. Oh, you cheated. Me. That doesn't count. You're still no, at one nothing. Previously, not now, not now. I googled it previously. I, I have learned. Because the the soundtracks come up frequently. Cheater. Cheater. No, uh, I'm not a cheater. I I research. Okay. You're up one and a half to nothing. One and a half. Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. I can uh, accept that you knew I would mention the score since I often do. All right, Captain Cash, you have two questions left. No shit, that's par for the course. Which means you can win. You can still win this because, again, he's only at one and a half. Number five. This actor was in talks with the director, Barry Sonnenfeld, to play Artemis Gordon, but ultimately passed because he felt West got all the good lines and action. Was it A, Brad Pitt, B, George Clooney, C, Matthew Broderick, D, Tom Cruise, or E, everybody's best friend, Jeff Goldblum? Wild Wild West. Captain Cash. It's George Clooney. Clooney. That is correct. Ah, you got to time, chime in, buddy. Yeah. Chime I, in. I, I know, I know. I so Sonnenfeld said, I think it was Thanksgiving morning, and he called me and said, he read the new draft and still had concerns, and I said, why don't we just agree we'll be friends and I'll find someone else? Don't worry about it because I don't want you to do a movie you're not going to enjoy being on or you're going to not like what your character is doing. So they remain friends. Oh, good, good choice. And good he choice. saved himself some trouble. Yeah, right? Okay. Yeah, George George Cohen did okay. 1.5 to 1. A lot riding on this, Captain Cash. You're going to oh, like yeah. the prize, I think. So you might, you know, you got to bring your A game here. Number six. During the long CGI and effects-heavy production, 
Will Smith and Sonnenfeld would often pass the time doing this. Was it A, playing cards and smoking cigars as if they were in a saloon of the Old West? Was it B, choreographing dance moves, which wound up in the belly dancing scene of the movie? C, cracking jokes about John Peters, who they referred to as a breath of fresh ass? (laughs) D, punching each other in the arm repeatedly in increasing... (laughs) Trading rocks? Yeah, trading rocks, yeah. Uh, Wild Wild West. Captain Mm. Cash. Just because I want it to be true, I don't know if it is, them making fun of Peters. That may have happened, but that is not the answer. Damn. Chumpzilla. Can you repeat the very entertaining I mean, answer? can't lose. He's one yeah. and a half my one. I will repeat yeah. the answers. Was it A, playing cards and smoking cigars as if they were in a saloon of the Old West? Was it B, choreographing corny dance moves, which wound up in the belly dancing scene of the movie? Or was it D, just punching each other in the arm i'm going with dance moves incorrect it was punching each other in the arm fuck really yep i really moves would have been my second guess because frankly punching in the arms what i would have done so, so i was hoping they wouldn't have done it yeah. true story after about four days of trading punches uh barry sonnenfeld said i mentally decided i'm going to hurt will i have visualized that will has harmed my daughter and i'm going to get back at him i hit his harm so i I hit his arm so hard and so badly that I instantly broke my fifth metacarpal in five places. He had to go into emergency surgery, shutting down production, which worked out in Will Smith's favor because his son was being born. So So he was at the hospital visiting with his wife, Jada Jada Pinkett Smith, and then he'd go down to the second floor and see how Barry Sonnenfeld was doing from breaking his hand. So, so weird. This, I guess on the plus side, Will Smith can say, someone tried to punch me and broke their hand, so... I, yeah, I get, right? So, I, I got good news. I have yeah. very, very good news. Okay. You have won General Bloodbath McGrath's gramophone ear, complete with the ooze that comes out of it inexplicably at one scene in the movie. Yuck. <laughs> so, enjoy Thank that. You. Yeah. I think a a lovely talking piece. I think you'll really like it. All I've got to say is next week's prize will be way more fun. As a consolation, Captain Cash, I have sent you Artemis Gordon's mini belt gun, which doesn't fire real bullets, of course, because it's a movie prop. But since you're a costumer, you may find some use for it. Yeah, I I can figure that out. That'll work. All right, we are going to take a quick break. And when we come back... We are doing recommendations, and I will tell you what is coming up next. Hello, and welcome back to the 74th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by RevengeTheFans.com. We are closing up our Wild Wild West Spectacular with some recommendations. Uh, Captain Cash, what do you have for us this week? So what I'm going to recommend is a video game that came out about, I think, gosh, is it 10 years ago now? It's not 10, maybe 8. Bioshock Infinite. This Bioshock Infinite takes the time period that this is set in, takes the steampunk aspect of it, takes the American exceptionalism, and tilts it farther toward horror than action. So if you want to see a good example of a steampunk western, sort of, play this game. That is uh, a great recommendation because the aesthetics of Bioshock Infinite 
are very similar and yes it does toy with history in a much more interesting way than this does i mean sure. it's not that's fun. legit it's not legit. funny but you no, know it's not funny yeah. but either is most of this movie <laughs> yeah i guess i guess the point is this movie was trying to be funny and at least bioshock invented it knows it's not a comedy okay chumpzilla what do you have for us this week so uh, my recommendation this week is the Behind the Bastards podcast. It's hosted by a guy named Robert Evans, and it's a semi-deep dive. It's not super deep, but mostly deep dive into the history of some of the worst people that we encounter in America, historically, currently, whatever. And... Uh, if I had to recommend specific pods from these guys, the Behind the Bastards dudes, I would go with the uh, Build the Wall Grifters. Uh, it, it, it's a super good pod. Listen to it. it. It's troubling, and it should be upsetting to most of us. Uh, and they've also got a couple pods on Ben Shapiro's fiction novel he tried to publish or did publish or whatever. It's horrible, and it's so racist and awful. So check that out. Uh, and shout out to you, Captain Cash, your buddy, Cody Johnston. He makes appearances on this pod on the occasion, and it's, it's good I entertainment. I went to high school with Cody, and we were friendly. I don't know that he's still my buddy. Captain Cash knows of him. But yeah, he, he, appear, he, he occasionally appears on this pod. It's good stuff. Check That's it, it. Cody, if you're listening, let's grab a beer sometime in California. You're a decent dude. So my recommendation for this week is The Magnificent Seven. It'll be twofold. So Elmer Bernstein, of course, scored the original Magnificent Seven, which itself is a Western reimagination of Seven Samurai. Uh, the original film is better, but if you're not into classic films, then watch the remake that Antoine Fuqua did, starring uh, Denzel Washington, Chris Pratt, uh, our boy D'Onofrio. Vincent D'Onofrio, e- Ethan Hawke. Um, Ethan Hawke and Vincent D'Onofrio are exceptional in it. It's an okay movie. It's got some cool action. I love westerns, so that's my recommendation. Either Magnificent Seven, depending on your uh, like of old movies or your reluctance to watch older movies. If you, D'Onofrio steals every scene he is in. Big time. If you're reluctant to watch older movies, you got to get over that phobia. There's some very, very good cinema made before all of our times. Uh, remember, you can find the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Hops and Flops. You can find myself on Twitter at WriterTLK. You can find Captain Cash at C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H on most social media. And you can find Chumpzilla wandering around in an Abraham Lincoln head that he's about to explode. Also at Chumpzilla8 on Twitter. Those are both true. Both true. If you enjoy the show, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe. And connect with us on social to share ideas for future episodes. We will see you next week for our very special 2020 I Can't Believe This Shit Is Happening special, Idiocracy. And with that, listeners, in closing, remember when Jim West advises Artemis Gordon that he could put a gun in his spring-loaded contraption. He simply states, Then where would I keep my pencil? The pen is indeed mightier than the sword. Violence is never the answer. Stay safe. Be good to each other. We'll see you next time. Wild, wild west.